0: Hi, and welcome back to a Pagan Heart in Maine podcast. Today I'm going to talk a little more about a Pagan Heart in Maine and the Pagan Heart in Maine website. We'll talk about some items in the news and try out a few more segments. We'll start off with a song from Kellyana's first album, Lady Moon, called Warrior Queen. I was sleeping nice and peaceful the other night when suddenly I had a feeling like I was pinned under a burning couch. Well, I woke up to find that the burning couch I was pinned under was actually a 20 pound cat sitting on my chest, his little cat face gazing into my eyes from about one inch away. So I said, Spunky, it's three o'clock in the freaking morning. You need to get down now. And so I gently pushed him off of me and onto my wife, Oceana. Then I rolled over and tried to go to sleep. I say, tried because I felt and heard this loud commotion behind me and my wife saying, it's three o'clock in the freaking morning, go away. I was gonna point out to my wife that monkey already knows the time because I had just told him when he was sitting on me looking for attention. And then I thought that would be a bad idea since that would take all the attention off of the cat and put it on me. And that would have brought up a whole bunch of questions like how did the cat get on me if he was on you And these type of questions, I always have had a hard time coming up with good, satisfactory answers for. Especially at 3 o'clock in the freaking morning. So long story short, I now have a cat sitting on my chest again. So I push him off and he comes back. So I tell him, fine, just lay there and go to sleep. But no, the cat decides I'm not soft enough for him to lay on. So he proceeds to soften me. Spunky does this in two ways. First he stands up, and then he carefully places his feet on my spleen, my liver, my kidney, and my bladder, and then he shifts all of his weight onto each of his paws so that it feels like someone is driving a mop handle into your gut. But that's still not good enough. Now he proceeds to fluff me like a pillow. Now this wouldn't be so bad, except that attached to the end of his paws are these little razor blades he calls claws. So now it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm being slashed to pieces like a teenager in a Freddy Krueger movie. Now fortunately, our cat has a mental defect. Other than the fact that he likes to have attention paid to him at 3 o'clock in the freaking morning, his other defect is that he hates to be held. Oh, he likes attention. But the minute you put your arms around him, his eyes get really big, his fur goes poof, and zoom, he's gone. So finally I gave him what we call in our household is a spunky hug. I put my arms around him. His eyes got big, his fur went poof, and soon he was gone. I smiled, and I went back to sleep. So my question to you is, what's the burning couch in your life that you're pinned under? What's the 20 pound cat sitting on your chest? What's keeping you from sleeping at night? Do you push it off? Does it keep coming back? Do you shift it onto someone else, family or friends? Of course, whatever you push off, chances are it'll keep coming back and eventually will start slicing you up. So try this. Give it a spunky hug. Own it. Pay attention to it. Find out what mental defect it has to make it go away. It sounds easy, and sometimes it is. Sometimes it takes work, but don't just ignore it. Give it more than the attention it needs, and give it more than the attention it wants. Is it a problem at work, school, at home? Well, take the problem and give it a big hug, because if you just push it off, it's just going to make the ones you love mad at you and end up coming back anyway.
1: Sharon. I've crossed the river Stacks Whoa, Won't you speak to me Speak
0: talked in the last episode how the podcast website got its name, A Pagan Heart in Maine. I live here on the southern coast of Maine, and then I'm a pagan and a witch. I wanted to go ahead and define that a little more, because I have a mixed audience spiritually, and there's a lot of misconceptions about what those two words mean. We'll start with what I mean when I say I'm a pagan. First of all, I believe in individual spirituality. And what I mean by that is that each of us has an individual personal relationship with deity, If I gave everyone in the world a pencil and paper, and assuming everyone had the same talent for drawing, and if I asked you to draw a picture of God, every person's picture would be different, because the relationship with each person is different. When you look at your father, you see him a certain way, as your father. Your uncle would see your father in a totally different way, as his brother. And we each see God differently. We may see Deity as God, Goddess, Father, Spirit, Son mother, daughter, sister, teacher, mentor, friend. And when we give deity a name, we are calling out and acknowledging the aspects of deity that go with that name. In later episodes, I'll talk more about individual spirituality and also my thoughts on being part of the spiritual community around us as well. I mean, there's a running line that if you ask 10 different pagans what paganism is, you'll get 12 different answers. And part of what this podcast is about ...is not to set in stone a definition of paganism or spirituality... ...but to share the sheer diversity of spirituality as a whole. I do not believe in blind faith... ...so when I share my thoughts and my path... ...you may say, why, that is exactly what I believe... ...and that's great if you do. Or you can say, why, Gray, I don't believe that at all... ...and I think your nose looks funny when you say that. And you know what, that's great too. At least you know what you believe or at the very worst you know what you don't believe. Now I am not a Catholic, but I believe in God. I am not Wiccan, but I believe in the Goddess. I believe that the dual nature of Deity is a source of life itself and is evidenced around us. I believe in the balances and lessons found in the natural world around us and that my personal relationship with Deity is found here in nature. I believe that our true knowledge and the lessons we are to learn in our life do not come just from books but from living life itself and from the connections we make with those around us now there are universal truth to be found in all faith and cultures and just like there are different flavors of cakes out there they all start with the same basic ingredients flour water salt sugar and i believe in the basic ingredients found in faith so i have a very eclectic personal path and it comes from many different faiths and religions because even though every religion may have different ways and different names for the elements of their faith the basics are still the same i am also a witch and what i mean by that is i believe in natural energies around and in us all that we all use from time to time to help shape our lives if you've ever thought about a person and that person calls a few minutes later or knowing who's on the other line before you pick the phone up. If you've ever taken a side street for no reason and found you avoided an accident by doing that. Things that seem like coincidences but happen to you regularly. Now all people have intuitive abilities and use them. Now witchcraft in its basic form is being aware and using those abilities for a purposeful intent. Everyone has this ability. I look at it like breathing. Everyone breathes but you're not always aware of it because you do it all the time and usually the only time you become aware of it is when you stop breathing. Now what witchcraft is is like breathing with a purpose. Let's say the purpose is to blow out a candle. First you become aware of your breathing. You take a breath in. You direct your breath toward the candle and let your breath out and the candle goes out. That's magic. That's witchcraft. Energy is all around us and in us and like air and like taking a breath, awareness, intent, direction, release, that's basic magic. Like those who practice healing arts and energy work and help the body realign the energies that flow through them, there are green witches who use natural herbs to connect with the natural energies around us, and much of the pharmaceutical industry comes from the old knowledge of plants and their properties. Much in the field of physics comes from the study of alchemy. And definitions of what was magic and witchcraft have become many of the sciences of today, and we see that even still with the studies taking place in the field of quantum physics. Now in future podcasts we'll talk more about magic ritual and witchcraft. But I think it's important to also share what being a pagan is, and also what being a pagan and witch is not. We do not fly around on broomsticks, for obvious reasons. Uh, no seats. I'm a rather large person and even sitting side saddle it would be very uncomfortable. If I have to fly I'll take a plane and even then I'd rather walk. We do not kidnap and eat children not since that whole Hansel and Gretel debacle. I mean seriously here's a nice old witch minding her own business in her house made out of candy and suddenly these two city kids get themselves lost and start chowing down on the shingles of her house. So what does she do? She knows they're lost, she offers to feed them, and then the kids try to push her in the oven. I mean, it's always the same story. Burn the witch, burn the witch. And then when the cops show up, the kids tell the authorities that the witch was going to eat them. So you see, it's just not worth the trouble. We do not turn people into frogs. Because if I could, do you know have any idea how many frogs there'd be in the world today? And that's just me. I mean the question has been asked, what do you say to an angry witch? Ribbit? Now throwing fireballs is all fine and good until someone loses an eye. Do we wear black cloaks and pointy hats? Sometimes, I like pointy hats. But most of the time we wear normal everyday clothes. Now do people dress up for church? Yeah, of course. So do we. Do we dance around nude in fields in front of bonfires? Okay, you got me. But let me say, unless you've stood out in the field naked on a summer rain, don't knock it. Of course, if you live in a suburb or city, you may want to avoid running around in your birthday suit. People might get the wrong idea. Now, you don't have to dance naked to be a pagan, but why not? I personally do not unless I'm alone, just because. A 350-pound pasty white fat man prancing and frolicking naked in a field like some retarded wood pixie tends to create a disturbing image for many people, and I do try to follow a harm-none rule. We do not throw people into volcanoes. First of all, here in Maine it's very hard to find a volcano. And second of all, the volcanoes get very hot when you get close to them. Now I say all of this because Hollywood has painted a picture with a lot of special effects and stereotypes of what they think of which is, and ignorance and fear has added the rest. Unfortunately, there are many people who have mistaken definitions of what paganism and witchcraft really is about. If you want to know what we are about, keep listening here to this program, and keep listening to the other great podcasts out there like Lance and Grail, The Wiggling and Way, A Spiral Dance with Hawthorne, or better yet, if you know a pagan, ask them. We do not proselytize or try to convert people, but chances are, if you're interested and ask us questions about paganism, who better to ask than a pagan? we would be more than happy to talk with you. So unless you find yourself talking to little cartoon birds sitting on your shoulder, you don't have to worry about biting into that apple the old witch gave you. keep In the news this past month, Huntington, West Virginia. Marshall University, with an enrollment of about 14,000 students, for the first time is recognizing pagan students' desires to be excused from class for religious holidays and festivals. In fact, it may be the only school in the country to formally protect pagan students from being penalized for missing work that falls on religious holidays, although others have catch-all policies they say protect students of every religious faith. The decision to allow pagan students to make up missed work from classes on holidays was simply an extension of existing university policy toward members of other religions, said Steve Hensley, Marshall's Dean of Student Affairs. I don't think there are a lot of students here who have those beliefs, but we want to respect them, he said. It was really just a matter of looking into it and deciding what was the right thing. And speaking of schools, we go to Baltimore County, Maryland. Elwood, Bunky, Bartlett... Mega Millions lottery winner and Wiccan high priest, recently retired accountant, would like to clear up a few misconceptions about his plans for a witch school. Yes, he'd like to start a pagan seminary, but no, it's not going to be some kind of Hogwarts with precocious adolescents running around in wizard hats and casting spells. Bartlett instead envisions a place as a sort of yeshiva of all faiths, a church that's less about God or gods, if you prefer, and more about spirituality, nature and healing. The future Willow Spring Sanctuary and Community Center, likely to be somewhere in Baltimore County, but Bartlett doesn't yet know where, will teach classes about all religions, offering technology courses for those seeking better jobs and counseling for those seeking to make sense of their lives. And the 33 million dollar winner hopes it will help demystify a religion that for most of the public remains shrouded in myth a fast-growing faith that millions of Americans share, even though they're not always open about it. When I won, I had a chance. I could have stayed quiet, or I could have taken the bull by the horns and used this as an opportunity to educate, Bartlett said. I choose to educate. I believe that's what the gods wanted. And, in keeping with our school-related news, we go to Rossville, Illinois, to which school international? when a group of Wiccans from out of town moved into a storefront in Rossville this past summer and put up a sign advertising witch school. It was only a matter of time before alarm bells sounded and temper started to boil in this village of 1200, about 125 miles south of Chicago near the Indiana border. After percolating behind the scenes, anger erupted into public action last weekend when several local churches canvassed the community with literature denouncing the witches and organized a meeting to plan future steps. As more than 150 people filed into the town's high school building, Andy Thomas, youth minister at Rossville Church of Christ, said residents had a spiritual responsibility to drive the witches out. If they didn't, he said, young people were in danger of being pulled off the Christian path. Rossville has fallen on hard times, Thomas said. The school closed. This is a popular place for meth. We're like, great, now a witch school. It feels like we're being attacked. Donald Lewis, who serves as CEO of Witch School International, said it was the other way around. They're trying to make us scapegoats, he said as he slipped into the meeting unannounced. Lewis started the online witch school in 2001 with two friends he met through the neo-pagan community in Chicago. All three were devoted practitioners of Wicca, a movement that, by some estimates, has hundreds of thousands of adherents nationwide. The most popular courses teach students how to become a Wiccan, but the school also provides instruction on other topics as well. Lewis said more than 190,000 students have participated, mostly from the U.S., although many live in England, India, and other countries. Lewis grew up in Danville, 15 miles south of Rossville. It was his idea to move the school's operation in 2003 from Chicago to this unlikely region of big skies and vast cornfields. Rent was cheaper. The group could afford space big enough for a proper shipping room, and the group first landed in Hoopiston, seven miles north of Rossville. Hoopiston, a town of 6,000, is known as the sweet corn capital of the world. When residents found out the witches were coming, some of Hoopiston's churches held prayer vigils with the hope of turning the Wiccans' back. They also flooded a city council meeting to protest. It was like a lynch mob, Lewis said. The Wiccans were determined to stay, but after four years of opposition, some subtle and some less so, they decided to pack up and head to the village next door. At first, Rossville offered a warmer reception. The mayor said publicly they were welcome to do business downtown. But some churches and residents were upset to see their village portrayed as witch-friendly. They feared that the school could corrupt their children. We don't want them going in there and getting potions to put hexes on their friends," said Deb Robling, co-owner of a beauty salon on Chicago Street. Roblin, also one of Rossville Church of Christ's 230 members, helped organize the town meeting. Keith Michaels, a Methodist pastor, took a different view. Leave them alone, Michaels said. They have a right to be here. Do I agree with them? No. But as a Vietnam veteran, I fought for the freedoms that we enjoy in this country. At the meeting, when featured speaker Robert Kirka stepped to the lectern, an unexpected thing happened. Instead of leading a pep rally against the witches, the professor at Lincoln Christian College and Seminary delivered an academic lecture comparing Wicca and Christianity. The Wiccans were not dangerous, Kirka said. I know you're thinking this is amazingly dry, but when you sit down and take the spin-off, you start to see that this is not that interesting although Kirka did encourage the crowd to try and convert the Wiccans rather than drive them away. When the meeting was over, many of the opponents appeared calmed. They vowed to turn down their anger and increase their prayers. Lewis was pleasantly surprised. It seems like he was trying to uphold the peace, he said. And yet, resident Adam Margansky said, remember the Salem witch trials? That's what's happening here. And from our point of view, if he means that that the town persecuting innocent people based on rabid fear and ignorance, we couldn't agree with you more. And finally some news here in New England, in Hillsborough, New Hampshire. Sarah Simmons, the daughter of a prominent 1800s Christian family, once rested peacefully in Hillsborough. That was until recently when her remains was discovered missing, raising murmurs of witchcraft and stirring rumors of a warped religious ritual. The police said the grave had been dug up in a time frame of encompassing Halloween. The only other item disturbed was a monument unrelated to the Simmons grave that had been knocked down but then leaned back up on its base. the police said. Although no one knows the motive behind the grave robbery, theories have abounded. Hillsborough Police Lieutenant Darren Remillard told local news that the police were looking at whether it was done by someone who believed in witchcraft. Now of course he got a lot of angry calls. From a lot of witches. Kim Burke of Hillsborough, who has practiced witchcraft for more than 20 years, said the one law of witchcraft is to harm no one and nothing. When Burke heard about the vandalism, she said, My first thought was someone dug up their ancestors, but if they were really educated, an educated witch wouldn't desecrate a grave. It's disrespectful and you're harming someone. To be labeled like this, it's stereotypical. It's like saying anyone who rides a Harley must be a dirtbag, just because you put on a black cape or robe and sit in front of an altar with candles burning doing a prayer for someone. Burke said she knows about 30 witches in Hillsborough and does not believe any pagan would do such a thing. Don Whiting, owning of Pachamama, a metaphysical shop in Concord, called witchcraft a gentle religion. The creed for witchcraft is do thee no harm, she said. This would harm the family of the woman and it's sacrilegious to dig up a body. She compared the rituals of witchcraft, such as lighting candles or using incense, to those of Christianity, and said witchcraft is a recognized religion like any other. People hear witch and witchcraft and think a person with a long nose, hat, and cauldron brewing something up insidious, which is a mistaken image. And Aaron Daniels, an assistant professor of clinical psychology at New England College, who studies magical traditions, said that, to his knowledge, digging up a grave is not part of Wiccan traditions. Witchcraft, Daniel said, is being positive about life, and he called most witches pro-nature, crunchy, tree-hugging lovely people. Thank you. I like that. There are some obscure references to grave digging in magical traditions, Daniel said, but he said a more likely motive is an Internet market for old bones and skulls. I know far more people interested in finding real human bones and displaying them as a curiosity than anyone has the idea of doing something magical or ritual with a skeleton. Police Lieutenant Darren Rimelard finally did apologize to a local news outlet saying, I offer my apology to all witches and certainly did not intend to offend anyone by insinuating that this was done by a witch or witchcraft. It is not witchcraft. So, my thoughts. We wish all the world for Bunky and his vision for Willow Spring Sanctuary and look forward to seeing it come to pass. We need a lot more people like Bunky in places like the Witch School International to help teach and fight the stereotypes that fear and ignorance has placed on pagans and witches. We applaud Marshall University for its recognition and respect to its pagan students. And we finally applaud Lieutenant Darren Rimillard. Not for his uneducated statements, but for apologizing for them and learning something he may not have known before. And that's the news for November 2007.
1: Through evening, through the forest. In- Calling me through the forest
0: I did want to share one more thing today. There is this new movie coming out called The Golden Compass. Now I like good fantasy and special effects and this movie looks like it might have both and it's being boycotted. Okay, so I'm going to call this segment Keeping It Real. The Catholic League for Religious and Civil Rights said The Golden Compass is not the harmless fantasy it appears to be. It is an entree to the anti-religious writings of its avowed atheist creator, author Philip Pullman. Okay, Philip Pullman is a rabid atheist and definitely anti-religious. Fine. He's also a brilliant writer and writes a fine fantasy. He wrote The Golden Compass, book one of his Dark Materials trilogy, which was the antidote to, say, C.S. Lewis's Christian allegory, The Chronicles of Narnia. Karen McCaffrey, director of communications for the Catholic League, said, We're not saying picket this movie. We're saying don't go to it. And certainly don't buy the books as Christmas gifts for your children. The group objections center not on the film itself, McCaffrey said, but on the now 10-year-old trilogy of books. All of the believers in the magisterium are shown to be cruel, horrible men who do things such as kidnap children and murder people, McCaffrey said. They perform torture on a mass scale, all to keep everyone oppressed and under this fake God. The church is portrayed as a totally corrupt, oppressive institution. All churches are. There is no God. It's just an idea that's been concocted to keep people in chains. And one source was saying, Christians have been told the Golden Compass movie turns children away from God. Okay, time to keep it real. Number one, it's a movie. Do you remember when The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe came out and the mass exodus of children who turned to Christianity because of it? No, neither do I. It was a brilliant, if toned down, version of the book. Still had a lot of Christian allegory in it, but thousands of people saw it because it was a wonderful fantasy. The Golden Compass is a fantasy movie set in an alternate universe. Much of the anti-religious allegory has been scrubbed from it, and to be truthful, if your children are going to change their faith over a fantasy book or movie, chances are they were already looking for another faith. Number two, McCaffrey is quoted as saying, they, the magisterium, perform torture on a mass scale, all to keep everyone oppressed under their fake god. Okay, keyword: fake god. Do you feel that your god is a fake god? If not, then why do you feel this movie is about your religion? And third, keeping with that point, if they are saying that the church in the movie is being portrayed as a totally corrupt, oppressive institution, all churches are, there is no God, it's just an idea that's been concocted to keep people in chains. And the first thing you think of is, hey, he's talking about my church. Don't you think there's something wrong with that? Maybe you should be taking this movie as a cautionary tale to make sure your church isn't like that so people come out of the movie and say, boy, I'm glad my church isn't like that. Now, I'm not saying this to bash the Catholic group. I'm just saying keep it real. At this time in history, the Catholic Church, and more specifically, the Catholic Church here in America, has a lot more issues on its table besides boycotting a fantasy movie. The Catholic Church has almost been destroyed here by the sex scandals of the past several years, which every few months are reopened and deservedly so. Initiates into the Catholic priesthood has dropped and even here in Maine churches are closing their doors and parishes are having to share the priests that are left. And their big concern is over a movie? And then by boycotting it and going to the news drawing attention to it, the Catholic League has guaranteed that more people will watch it than originally would have. I'm going to see the movie in a couple weeks. If you like fantasy, I recommend you go see the movie too. If you don't want to, that's fine too. But just keep it real.
1: Ancient wisdom, Lady Morgan of the fairies. Will you be lost again in the other world? So many days, so many nights, no sense of place, no sense of time, oh Morgana. So many days, so many nights, no sense of place, no sense of time, oh Morgana. Morgana, Faye. Born of kings and queens, ancient powers, and ancient mysteries. The fairy people, they were kin. And when she lost her way, they would take her in. So many days, so many nights, no sense of place, no sense of time, oh Morgana. So many days, so many nights, no sense of place, no sense of time, oh Morgana. Oh,
0: Well, that's the end for now. I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving here in the U.S. I know our family did. Thank you, Kellyanna, for the music from your album, Lady Moon. And you can find her work at www.kellyanna.com. And thanks go out to Jerry Marchand for his wonderful harp music that you've heard in the background from his album, Celtic Cosmos, and from The Hooded Man. And you can find his music at cdbaby.com. I'm going to leave you with a song from The Hooded Man called Celtic Passage. Thank you all for joining me today and until next time, great blessings.